0: But, all right, so this week, um, we're going to continue our Timothy series, but this week I had a moment on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Wednesday afternoon I gathered with uh, 50 or 60 other pastors from Whatcom County. Uh, it's, a, it's an event we do called Pastors Praying for Pastors. And, um, and, and, and that event is uh, 50 or 60 pastors from all over Whatcom County gather around and, and pray for each other's churches There's a couple rules You don't pray for your own church and, uh, and you don't talk about your own church Other than sharing prayer requests and things like that And so uh, my buddy Grant stood up and, and, and it was started by the two biggest churches here in Whatcom County uh, With the effort of, of, of just unity within the church Doesn't matter the denomination or anything Like just come together, we're going to pray for each other and in doing that, um, it's, it, it's, to bring, it's to bring unity. And for me, that was a turning point for me, because this is this non-competitive environment where we gather together and just pray for each other. And um, we listen to what God is saying. And, and during this meeting, um, it was shared that Dr. Ray Baki, if you don't know who he is, he's a, like just a spiritual juggernaut here in Whatcom County, and um, and he was actually one of my professors at Trinity Western for, for only one class that I took. So I didn't get to know him really well. But just a really, real spiritual father of this area. Uh, and always felt uh, Whatcom County, and Bellingham specifically, was where his roots were from. That he had passed away in the, in the, in the prior week. And. Um, and uh, in, 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 in not only had he taught one of my classes at Trinity Western, but he also, uh, back in the day, he worked a lot with Billy Graham during Billy Graham's crusades and things like that. He worked with furthering the gospel here uh, in, uh, in this area, but as, as well as the nation and, and, quite frankly, all over the world. Uh, and, and it got me thinking about all of the people in my life that at different times in my walk had... Um, had really kind of laid the spiritual foundation. That had laid the spiritual groundwork for me to be uh, and understand God for who he was. And so uh, it caused me to think about A lot of the different professors I had over the years Or the different uh, men that came alongside me uh, Early on in my walk, Jim Bearn And then later on, uh, Mason Rutledge and, like, and then later on, Devin and So all these people who had laid the, kind of the foundational, spiritual uh, way for me to, uh, to just come into the Lord's presence And so this morning, I want, I want us to stop for a second And I want you to think about, in your life, who was that for you? Who was it? And it might only be a couple years into your faith, and it might just be somebody who you still know, or or it might be somebody who early on shared truth with you, shared who God was with you. And so I'm going to just pray. I'm going to just open this up real quick. And I know we don't do this a lot, but man, why not? I want you to just think of who that person might be and just simply, uh, but but strong and faithful and saying their name, just their name, whether it's Josh or Brian or whoever it may be, just speak that name in truth of who might have laid the foundational uh, understanding of who God was in your life. Will you do that with me? You feel led, Lord? We thank you for those that have walked before us. I was reminded of Ray Baki, Lord. And for me, Devin. And Lord, so as we gather, will you bring those names to mind of those who have worked and laid the foundation for each one of us here, Lord? For those that are online, you can just type the name in the comments. For those in the room, as you feel led, just call out the name of those spiritual people, who the, 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 the followers of Christ that have laid this groundwork for you. Lord, we lift these names up to you. Those of you that are online, there was a lot of them. A lot of moms, a lot of grandparents and friends. And Lord, we, we thank you for those that have gone before us, Lord. The, those that have kind of paved the way, those that have walked us into a deepening faith with you, Lord. Lord, to be amiss if we didn't pray that we were now charged to do that for others. Lord, we praise you for the names of those that have trusted and put their faith in you, that then bring others into your presence. We thank you for that this morning. In your name, Amen. Amen. Um, yes. So people have laid the foundation, and, and 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 honestly, that is what Paul has done in this series, protege that we've been looking at, First and Second Timothy. Um, uh, we see that Paul had laid the foundation for his ministry and for Timothy's ministry and Barnabas and those that he had called along, along with him into his missionary journeys and into spreading the gospel in the early church. And that's what Paul did. And honestly, that's what Timothy did when Paul, as we talked about last week, when Paul sent him back to Ephesus, right? Right? sent him back to Ephesus to to course correct, to bring people into the faith that Paul had explained. And and in actuality, if you think about it, uh, Paul, as we looked at last week, gave credit to Timothy's faith to who? His mom and his grandma, right? And so uh, Timothy's faith, Paul said, was qualified by the faith that he had witnessed in uh, in, uh, Eunice and Lois, right? Right? His, his mom and his grandma. And Paul directly states this when he says, uh, and for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. And I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And, uh, and a true faithful teacher of the Gentiles. And so Paul is saying here that he is One that was called to do this. If you don't know the word herald, the world and I and I and I had to look it up too because I was like, well, what does that mean? Is that like some authoritative figure? Is that is that like close to a disciple? Is that uh, you know what what might that be? Well, herald, uh, herald as it's written in scriptures, uh, scriptures in Greek, and I only know that because I hit the little uh, speaker thing and it told me how to say it. Um, But it means proclaimer a proclaimer of the truth. And so the names that we had called out here in this room were those that have proclaimed truth to the point where we heard it and then took it in ourselves. And Paul says, I was appointed a herald, a proclaimer of the truth. And we start in on chapter 2, where we're going to start today, with Paul again sending Timothy uh, a letter, sending him back to Ephesus, where uh, the opposite of that had started to take place. We introduced it last week, but that there were uh, there were false teachers teaching uh, non-biblical or or, or uh, things added to what would be the story and what would be what Christ the way at that time was uh, came to proclaim. And where there was this group of men who had begin, begun twisting the truth, who had begun changing the truth, had become uh, kind of even forming their own doctrine, which was a way of living, a, a way of life. Uh, you know, and we'll get into this later, but they were like, no, I can't eat meat. Nobody's going to eat meat. We, uh, no marriage. Marriage is bad uh, and, and distorting sexuality and what that was. And so all these things were happening at that time. These false teachers were coming, uh, were coming out, and that is, in a sense, what Paul was sending Timothy back to Ephesus to deal with. We looked at it last week. 1 Timothy 1 4 through 5 says, They devoted themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things provo- uh, promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work. Work which is by faith. The goal of the command, remember we said, whatever we talk about from here on out, the goal was, last week we said, the goal is love right? The goal of this command of is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, right? Paul would say that the teaching of Jesus, his teaching, uh, the teaching that is uh, that, that he was proclaiming, that Christ was proclaiming, uh, that the teaching was faithful to Jesus, that sort of teaching would result in Love and genuine faith. And I would concur, and I would agree with Paul when I would say that uh, we see what's going on at this time was the twisting of the Torah, and so the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, at that time the Hebrew Bible, and what people were using to create this speculation, this uh, building on of the truth of what was going on. Uh, And what the truth of God's word, the Torah at that time, was created Was, was uh, originated to do Was to point back to The um, It was to point back to uh, Exposing the human condition Right And we talk about this Like we're all fallen We all make wrong choices in our life I think I said it last week If I didn't say it last week I said it the week before The week before that Right No perfect people allowed None of us are perfect we're all fallen, and so what that, what that original uh, Scripture was pointing to was this uh, fallen mentality, or this idea of the human condition, the idea of, man, if we really look into our hearts, at times we know that we, we've, we're, we're headed in the wrong way. And then, to further it, uh, the point was uh, that that would all then back point back to the grace of God, the grace of God and the truth of God uh, revealed through Christ who came with purpose uh, to save sinful and broken people of which Paul said he was the worst, right? So, Paul starts chapter 2 and states, uh, states what we, what, what Timothy is to do in bringing people back under the uh, correct authority of God. And Paul, uh, Paul instructs Timothy to go yell at people and throw them in headlocks and wrestle them to the ground and, like, lock them up in jail. No, he doesn't do that, right? That's how I might do it, but he doesn't do that. He says this, he says this, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I, I sent you back to Ephesus. And all this messiness is going on. All this stuff that I know our Lord doesn't agree with and we don't agree with. This isn't why we put in all the work that we put in. And I'm going to send you back there. And what, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on love. Everything's going to revolve around that and genuine faith. But what I want you to start off by doing is, is to pray. To pray over everybody, to pray over everything To pray over all, all the interactions To uh, petition and intercession To thanksgiving made for all people That all people Be thankful for all people that God has created And given you and, and given us to reach and, and given those to come alongside And support you to thank and pray For all of them, including the authority Which disagree with us, the kings And all those people that are that Maybe even directly oppose us Pray for those people and I know we kind of did it by listing names, but the question I have for us this morning is, when's the last time you prayed for somebody? And, 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 and you might be like a prayer warrior who does it every day, and that's great, and you might think of your spouse or best friend or whatever, and you might pray for them on a regular basis as you think of them, as they come to your mind. But when's the last time you actually prayed for somebody that wronged you? or that you don't know, or that you uh, that cut you off in traffic, or that uh, checked out your groceries far too slow, or that uh, hit you in the back of the heel with a cart at the grocery store? That hurts, right? When's the last time you prayed for somebody that you didn't necessarily agree with, that you knew believed differently than you? That's the call that Paul is giving to Timothy in this And, and, and quite, quite frankly, the, the call that God gives us as his people right now, wherever we're at, to pray for all those that are around us. Paul says do it regularly. Paul says do it often. Paul says intercede for people. Paul says do it in the larger gatherings amidst the gathering of the church, amidst the gathering in the houses. Pray for each other. In doing that, And this is one of the greatest things in doing that is that those prayers, those conversations, those those petitions, those intercessions that we have to the Lord write our heart. It's as much for us as it is for the person we're praying for. That it centers our heart on what God may desire for each one of us. And what God may desire for us in approaching whatever it is that we're praying for. Whether it's a best friend or a complete stranger It writes our heart in the moment right? Verse 3 says This is good and pleasing to God our Savior Who wants all people to be saved And come to the knowledge of truth right? it's, centering on, it's centering us on God Who gave us Jesus as the mediator To bring all people to him Verse 5 For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And so what Paul is saying is that for what Christ did, that is why we intercede and pray and and why I'm sending you back to this place where all this is going on. And quite frankly, why God has us, each one of us, in the position that he has us today. That there is one God and one mediator, uh, and that is Christ Jesus. I'm I'm excited. I'm going to just do a shameful plug, shameless plug. Shameful, shameless plug here. Um, Easter, our Easter series is one. It's focused on Christ. We'll have a Good Friday service as an entire network again around one sacrifice. And then our Easter Sunday will be around one Savior. And we'll look at the supremacy of Christ of Christ, which is written all throughout Timothy and is actually the overarching idea of the entire Bible. Uh, So, now, uh, remembering the context in this is key as well, because Paul is now going to enter into the first hot-button topic that is in the book of Timothy— Right? He's going to enter into, uh, and, and so the context in this is key, that at this time there were false teachers that had arose, and from those teachers arose a group of women, and these women were trained under these false teachers, were not following the ways of Jesus, and they were claiming to be teachers of the law, and he addresses this. The law is for those that are sinning, like in, in chapter 1 we looked at it but to be teachers of the law, God's law. And from that comes this section in Scripture that I'm going to read today. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting their holy hands without anger and disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold and pearls, expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for the women who profess worship to God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission, and I do not permit women to teach or to assume authority over man. She must be quiet. Is anybody throwing anything at me? I know I joke around a little bit sometimes, but that's there. It's there. You can look it up on your own. It's in Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2, 8, 8 through 12. And it's where we're going to rest for a little bit this, today. And I don't know if you feel how the anxiety that I'm feeling right now in reading that scripture. <laughs> right? Hi, my name's Jason, and I use humor as a coping mechanism. All right? So, no. But, but here's the deal with this text. Because uh, there were women at that time in that specific area, in that specific location, that had dolled themselves up, that had probably had the most expensive perfume and wore it, had donned the most glorious outfits, shaming other people who couldn't and didn't live up to those standards. And these women had fallen under this false teaching and had began to use their image and everything, their wealth and all that, to gain influence and to gain uh, power in the church, and then use that to proclaim this, uh, this separate gospel, right? This false law and false teaching, thus forming speculation to God's law. And that led Paul to writing this. First Timothy, chapter two, verse eight back in about 60 AD to these exact women at this exact time in this, what is a pastoral epistle. Now, I know I said last week, like, pastoral epistles written to a pastor, so what does it have to do with me? Plenty of overarching ideas in in these two books that apply to all of us. But also there's some stuff in there where Paul's actually instructing Timothy specifically for the moment in time. Right? And that's this instance, and we're going to get into it a little bit here. Because uh, I think I think it was Thursday I had one of those divine conversations Oftentimes in my schedule I leave a, 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 some time open Where I'm going to bump into somebody And have a conversation And then that conversation A lot of times it happens on Thursday morning uh, With the guys here in the group But uh, where I'm led into an understanding Or truth of a word that uh, I, need, I needed to hear and so this Thursday, that happened to happen, where I was in a spot that I'm not normally in on a Thursday, and I bumped into somebody that I knew that isn't normally in that spot on a Thursday, who had uh, some, some just guidance and words for me and direction uh, that, that became obvious that it was from the Lord. And our conversation led to this passage and talking about it. I shared it in a way that was like, hey, guess what I'm preaching this week? And, and they were like, whoa, I think I'm going to come to church. Um, and, and, and in talking about this, um, it led to this idea of, of, of acknowledgement of this text. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you what, here's the deal, church. We uh, often... Uh, or what can, or what actually does happen Is that when it comes to texts like these And I believe this, when it comes to texts like these We tend to uh, form uh, theology and doctrine Around like this, this little nestled text that's in 2 Timothy And, 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 and there are people that have uh, then extrapolated that out To create this other arching idea of what God is calling, what God is saying, and then formed doctrine and theology around uh, just a small little portion of a book that was written to a group of people specifically at this time. And, uh, in, and in doing that, um, and it, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even written about, I mean, it was written about the church, but these people weren't even firm believers in, in Christ. That were that were that were acting in this way, um, but the doctrine it becomes this doctrine for the church, and ultimately what is produced is no short of shame laced verbiage about women and how they should act, and 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 it becomes this uh, you know uh, this and you've probably heard this word causing men to stumble type moment like oh they're causing guys, that's not the case. Like we are in charge of ourselves and making the decisions and how we treat women. So we need to step up. But this creates this speculation that's riddled with tough conversations and riddled with uh, anxiety about even reading the scripture on a Sunday morning in body image and sexuality and all this kind of stuff is, is like extrapolated out to like the highest degree around a couple verses that was written to a group of women that were acting. Inappropriately and in claiming truth. And this is how we kind of read this is how I kind of read the scripture. Because I've I've been in the Word and I've and I've and I've read through all of the Bible and I've read through the gospels and I've read through the commands that God has for us, that He lays out relatively clearly, you know, black and white commands and all that kind of stuff. Like Jesus teaches a lot of this and teaches a lot in his gospel about human behavior and how we should act and what we should do as he walked this earth and and promoted his ministry and, and lived the life that he desires us to follow after, right? And he's clear on a lot of those areas in our lives, and throughout Scripture, we read those areas and those convictions, and God then convicts us to change our behaviors and attitudes to align with His teachings and what He desires for us. Some of which is in First and Second Timothy, and we've already looked at it last week, and we've begun to look at it this week, right? And then we have a passage like this, where Paul writes a letter uh, th- through the moving of God, and that this section was actually written to address those Women specifically in Ephesus. The false teaching that was going on. The trusting and, and constraining and twisting of truth. And that's wrapped up in status and appearance and authority and personal speculations on the scriptures. And we've, we've talked about the, the, the overarching idea of this book being the supremacy of Christ. In all things, putting Christ in his rightful spot. And from that, the command to love. Right? Paul's goal in this was unity within the church, was bringing people underneath the supremacy of who Christ was. Underneath his commands to love first. First. It was a lot like that go on Wednesday afternoon when I prayed, for, prayed with and for pastors all over Whatcom County, that we'd be one church, focused on one thing, and that'd be Christ. One life for all. And the Bible narrative is the same thing. It lines up with everything in Scripture points back to our Savior, to Jesus The kids are learning a lesson this week on Moses and some snake bites. And and, 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 and like that idea of pointing back to Jesus is even written in the smaller stories of the Old Testament. And it's written into the narratives of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. And it's written in the letters that Paul wrote and others wrote to churches of that time, of which we can adapt even today. And if, if, if we even really think about it, we have to remember that Paul wrote in Galatians 2.28 that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no slave nor, or free. There is no male or female. There is you who are all one in Christ. Eric, I think you got a phone call. Um, there is all one who is in Christ. And that reference and gives credit to Timothy's face. And Paul, it's the same thing. He gives his recognition of faith to Timothy's mom and grandma. Like, how amazing is that? That just scriptures before, Paul says, you know what qualifies you, Timothy? Your mom and your grandma's faith. The women in your life. And he goes on to write about more women. In the faith that I've advanced the church. Right? 1 Timothy 1:5, the command, the goal of this command is love, which is one from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is good and pleasing to God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. Pure heart, good conscience. Sincere faith, love built on these things, like submitting to truth and meaning and the humility of putting Christ first and putting everything else second. That's what Paul is calling both women and men to, And that is why here at Christ the King, Sudden Valley, we are blessed with the opportunity to have Amber share like she did two weeks ago, and move you more than it seems like I can do on a Sunday morning, right? That we have women who are leading ministries and leading the charge, and then we have men alongside them that are doing the same thing. If you were a man in this room, you'd be lying if there wasn't a woman in your life that has taught you something. And the same thing goes the other way. which I've read the Scriptures, and God makes it clear that when it comes to sin and my behavior, He's going to address that with me. But what we often do is we speculate. We cast out uh, this truth and enforce it on others. How quick, and maybe it's just me, but how quick are you to take something that you're just... Nailing like, like God has convicted you, you've changed attitude, behavior, you've aligned yourself completely with God, and then you take and cast that on other people. When God hasn't even led them to that point yet. Right? Oftentimes we can do that when it comes to speculation of Scripture, and oftentimes those things that we think we're nailing, eh, we're actually, we're not, we're not in humility with those. We're not humble with those things. And God still has a lot of work to do in our lives. Church is an act of solidarity and and, and unity. I want to acknowledge something today. That we are in a unique spot in the history of of church. Not our church, but of church in general. One that is unlike any other, mainly because we've never been in 2022. but, but unlike any other because, uh, because what we are facing and I'm not saying that it's harder than people what people have faced in the, in the past or easier because of this, or you know whatever I'm just saying, man, let's just acknowledge the difference in what we're facing, culturally and what we're facing in our questioning and what people are questioning and what what, uh, culture is challenging us with. Whether you feel the pressure to conform or feel the pressure to, to press in and dig your heels in, like, this is a unique spot for the church. Whether you feel life is closing in on you or, man, you've opened up the floodgates to allow God to move. We are all heralds, proclaimers, of the truth right? Where are we being challenged Where is truth being questioned Where is it being twisted I'm going to invite Price to come up here uh, Price is going to lead us in a song And I'm going to come back up And I'm going to just close With a, a, a quick word at the end But Price is going to lead us in a song Where we want to acknowledge Yes Who's laid the foundational work for us in the past? But we want to acknowledge that our speculation, our own power, our own ability to understand the truth is far short of allowing God to be a part of it. And this song is a journey of recognizing that I can't do it on my own, but that I need God in the moment. And we need to recognize that wherever we're at, He is here with us desiring to be with us so will you worship and will you praise and prayer this lift this song up as a prayer to him
1: Um, and I just wanted to share kind of a little like vulnerability moment right now Um, in this like kind of season that we're in right now season of COVID and having it been going on for like three years now I remember back in 2020 my birthday was March 12th and I was actually able to get together with my parents and everyone and like go out to dinner and little did I know like three days later everything would just kind of stop. Um, Early on it was really hard none of us had ever been through anything like that before and I just remember feeling hopeless a little defeated um, and turning to just distractions, movies, video games, FaceTiming with friends, just trying to figure it out on my own, and I feel like this song that we're going to be singing, it's called Here Again, and it just says, can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow will bring, but I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be, and just knowing that even though I didn't turn to God immediately and ask him for help, that he was always right there by my side with me, just letting you know, hey, I'm here, and like even though it seems hopeless, seems just so just big right now, like, I got you, and just knowing that this moment for me, like, God, I'm not enough without you, and I need you to help me through this time, so uh, that's just kind of where my heart was with this song, and this just kind of explains that journey for myself, so.
2: here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Is all I want is all you are Will you meet me here again? As I walk now through the valley Let your love rise above every fear Like the sun shaping the shadow In my weakness your glory appears I'm not enough Unless you come Will you meet me here again? Is all I want is all you are, will you meet me here again? I'm not enough, unless you come, will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again?
1: This bridge of this song, it just says, not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in, The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. So I'm just sing that out.
2: Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, and dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place The Lord is in this place The Lord is in this place I'm not enough Unless you count Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again?
0: I want to invite the rest of the band to come forward again. You can be seated for a second, but I want to close with this, church. If we can be honest, we can recognize what has brought us to this moment. People in your life that have influenced you, things you've wrestled God with, things you've brought into Him, things you've kept for yourself, all those are a part of this journey. But the same truth, the same truth that Paul wrote to Timothy in his letter to Ephesus when he was there, the same truth that guides... And, and, and drove him to confront and write the, the, the misconceptions and speculation that was going on The same truth that thousands upon thousands Came to know the Lord The same truth that, that, that ministered as Jesus walked the earth The same truth that, uh, that, that is in the, the barn today And that is in our communities That is in our hearts today That same truth then Is the same truth for us today. And, and and our God, the God of that truth, the God that has written it on our hearts, that have written that has written it in the pages of our Bibles. That God desires for everyone to come to know him. And he actually desires us to be a part of that. That God wants new understanding for us, a new revelation on his relational calling on our hearts and in our lives. And he wants to move in new waves and new new areas of your life. And he wants to relationally be at the center of everything for you. And so the band is going to lead us in these final two songs, and they're super-fitting songs. They're songs of God uh, laying the, found work, the the foundational work for us, but also building upon that. And so we want these last two songs to be a prayer for each one of us as God leads us into this advancing work, which is by faith. And in, 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 in 1 Timothy 1, it is the command to love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So as we close with these last two songs, will you... Lift that up as truth and faith in what God desires for us this morning.